Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. This edition of the CJ Show, once again, uh, will be packed. I want to talk uh, some fallout from uh, the Mitchell Miller news earlier this week. But we also want to get to uh, Ryan Reynolds basically trying to position himself as the next owner of the Ottawa Senators and how if and whether or not how close that might be. But I wanted to ask you something uh, before we got uh, to Sports Interaction and we bring in David Pastel and all that. You know, I, I know you like doing some of these little exercises where I kind of put you on the spot and I say, you know, hey. Which of these teams do you think is great or which team do you think is going to do this and all that? I know you love those. So I wanted to know amongst these three teams, and that doesn't mean that there aren't other NHL teams to be concerned about, but between St. Louis, Calgary, and Ottawa, which of these three teams currently on active losing streaks are you the most concerned about? I'd say St. Louis. Probably an easy answer because they've lost the most number of games as we're recording. They've lost eight in a row, all in regulation. Um, but given the fact that they had 109 points last season, uh, and and I think still some some pretty high expectations. I know there's expectations in Calgary, but it just something feels off there. And you know, I, I think it's the first time in their franchise history they've lost eight in a row. Um, so that 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 shows you the depths that they've they've kind of gone down here and I don't know if they're going to be able to turn around. Um, so that that's probably the team for me that that's the most concerning of the group. Um, you know, they've got two notable players in Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko, both unrestricted free agents. You've already had the general manager come out and try to push some buttons and, and Doug Armstrong and say, this doesn't change. We're going to have to go down the rebuild route. I don't want to do that. Um, so it just feels like that's maybe the most tenuous spot. Uh, you know, Ottawa, I actually think their record, their, their, their play has been better than the record, in my opinion. You know, clearly they have some big defensive issues there. Uh, probably not easily solved. You know, I don't, I don't think it's their one trade away from, you know, shooting up the standings. But, you know, I still saw this as a a year where I didn't I didn't think, the senators would really be in the playoff spot. So, you know, I, I don't know that this is really the end of the world there. Although of course, anywhere you are, when you're in a losing streak, it's tough. And Calgary, I, I just think with the turnover at the top of the team, it's going to be some time for everyone to sort of find their place and, and get comfortable and get going. Um, you know, this Huberto injury that's cropped up doesn't help either in the moment, but I, I, I think the flames will, will sort it out. And I don't think that there is far down the, the hole is as St. Louis is, is, you know, dug here in the last few weeks. Okay. I like the St. Louis blues answer. Uh, I understand why you wouldn't pick Ottawa Calgary. The Huberto injury could be injuries. It looks as if he's, we walked out of the last game with a walking boot. It looks like, or a walking cast. That's what it's been identified as. I tried to confirm that on my own. It's a pretty interesting situation with Huberto and the flames right now, but uh, yeah, so St. Louis blues for sure. The most surprising out of all those teams with the losing streak that they're on. And I'm also, that also leads me to wonder about Craig Brubry's future, but I believe he just got extended if my mind serves, right? Yeah. Late last season, he's, he's extended through 24, 25. So, you know, 
it's not to say it couldn't happen, but it, it doesn't seem likely. And, and look, let's let's be fair to Craig Grube. Like to me, I think that team has been squeezing more juice out of their roster than most. I think he's done a really nice job there. Um, you know, in his time in St. Louis, including taking over midseason on interim basis and helping lead that team to a Stanley Cup in 2019. So, you know, I'm not necessarily willing to to say it's a, a major coaching issue, but as we've as we go over pretty much every time teams get really struggling, sometimes that's the the card to play. I just I don't see that being the one that the Blues Blues opt for. Okay, what about which of these three teams are you most impressed by? That doesn't mean uh, that we can't be impressed by teams like Winnipeg, who currently are atop their division. But I'd like to know between New Jersey, Detroit, and the Islanders, which of these three teams are you most impressed by? I'm going to go New Jersey. And, you know, the regular listeners of the pod will know that I was a little higher on the Devils entering the season maybe than some. But I, I didn't see them getting off to this kind of start. I sort of figured if they got off to this sort of start, it would be because they were getting out of this world goaltending and, and they really haven't been. Uh, the goaltending has been better than last year, but that hasn't fueled the success, I would say, uh, when, you, when you look at team save percentage. And so, you know, now they're dealing with an injury to Mackenzie Blackwood to his knee. Um, the good news there is it could have been worse or it was feared to be worse initially and, and, and will only keep him out. I think it's three to six weeks, the timeline the team's announced. So, you know, I, I'd say all three teams deserve kind of a hat tip or a, you know, great start, but, but I think New Jersey's is probably the most sustainable, I would say in my view. And, and, you know, I could really see them being a playoff team and, and that, that says something right there. If you remember the way the, the East went last year, there was like 20 points between Washington, which was the last playoff qualifier and the next best team. So there was, there was a huge amount of ground to cover to, for teams that missed the playoffs last year. And I just think the Devils look like they have the mix to do it. Um, if memory serves, that team that was how many points behind Washington was the Islanders. And a big reason why was because of that, uh, of the, <laughs> the first few games of the year where they had to play on the road. Since then, seven wins in their last 10, second place in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, I also threw in Detroit there because that's a team that's been fighting to try to get into the playoffs. They're now second in the Atlantic Division. There's no shade on those two teams either. They're doing really well to start. Yeah. Great start. I just think with the team like Detroit that I, I don't think they're going to be able to hold it there. The, the Islanders could make the playoffs. I mean, that, that you know, obviously last year it looks like more of an aberration than anything. You know, they'd been to the, the previous two Eastern Conference finals before last year, had a lot of reasons why last season might have went off the rails for them with their building opening late and COVID stuff early on. And, you know, lot, lots of things didn't go their way. So I, I could see them bouncing back. But I, I think the Devils – are the most positive surprise uh, in the league for me. I mean, look, you could even include a team like Seattle, which is, you know, punching above its weight. And I didn't see anybody predicting that after their first season uh, for the Kraken. Second place in the Pacific Division as of this recording are the Seattle Kraken. All right, it's time to bring on DB. Uh, if uh, well, DB from Sports Interaction, of course, always, always, if you're playing Sports Interaction for those 19 and over, we ask that you please play responsibly. And there's a link to responsible gaming strategies in the description of this show. It's time for you can bet back. I want to say thank you to everyone who's reached out in the last few days about feedback on the Mitchell Miller episode. I don't know about you, Siege. I imagine you definitely get tweets and comments about every show that we do. 
but I can't think of any other show uh, that we've done where, at least in my mentions, I've had people like personally try to reach out to me and be like, hey, good job on, on doing the show. Thank you for doing the show. This is a very tough topic to discuss. Uh, I know the SDP has also tackled it in different ways as well. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to take the time first to say thank you to everyone who's been doing that over the last few days. It means a lot. I concur. Thanks always for your feedback, honestly. It's uh, it's good that it's just not me, you, and producer Nick recording into a vacuum. You know, it's it's good to feel like there's a community out there too that's listening and paying attention and maybe disagreeing with us. I got a few friends that always tell me when they disagree with a point I've made on the show or whatever. That that that, that I think that makes it fun because um, we we do it for an audience. We do it for ourselves, but obviously, if it's just us, I mean, we 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 wouldn't be putting out the show like this. Hundred percent, and whether that goes for funnier topics. Uh, like, you know, hey, who has better taste in chocolate bars or more serious topics like Mitchell Miller uh, signing an entry level deal? And it seemed as if like the news earlier this week was that, you know, this contract would be terminated. But unless I'm wrong here, there seems to be some some confusion with the language here, because, I mean, the Bruins are technically still on the hook for that money. We're still trying to figure out if they have to buy it out. Can you at least try to provide some clarity on on how exactly, uh, or what the next steps are for that contract? Right. And just speaking pure nuts and bolts of the CBA and the contract, so there's no moralizing here. In this case, I think the contention is between Friday of last week when the entry-level contract was signed and on Sunday when the Bruins said they were parting ways with Mitchell Miller, nothing fundamentally changed from Mitchell Miller's standpoint. It's not as though, you know, everything that I think led the Bruins to want to move on from from the player within that 48, you know, 72 hour period was was well documented from the past. You know, they just didn't maybe expect the reaction they got or, or whatever it was. But from a technical standpoint, you, you can't in the NHL just say, oops, we regret that contract and move on and not have some sort of penalty for it. Um, because it's a, it's a strict salary cap league, right? The, the contracts are guaranteed. And so, you know, as we look to what they're going to do now, it's, it's not entirely clear. Th they could move to terminate it. There are morals and ethics clauses in every standard player contract that NHL players have. Perhaps um, the Bruins could allege that they, that, you know, they were, they were misled in some way in this case, that maybe, you know, either Mitchell Miller or his representative, Eustace King, misrepresented themselves. I mean, I, I'm not sure what the grounds would be, but they could try to do that. But if they were to just go for a straight termination of the contract, the, the NHL Players Association would almost certainly file a grievance on behalf of Mitchell Miller, and, and then it would be up to an arbitrator to decide what becomes of it. That isn't, you know, the problem with that, of course, is there's no guarantees for other sides. The other way this might go down is they could potentially reach some sort of settlement among the parties uh, that would allow Mitchell Miller to become a free agent, potentially sign somewhere else, whether that's in Europe or who knows, but to make him a free agent, but I'll have some sort of payout um, reached. And so we'll see if that's it. Or the third option essentially is to keep paying him for this season as an AHL player uh, because he was assigned to Providence. Uh, he, he was also received, you know, a, a $95,000 signing bonus, pay him for the rest of the season and then buy him out at year's end which actually would carry a cap penalty for the Bruins for the next four seasons if they go that road. So, you know, it appears to me the most likely thing we can conclude at this point, and the Bruins have been very not wanting to, 
they've been a bit, a bit evasive about how exactly they plan to move on from the player. But it, it appears to me that at minimum, they're going to have to pay him some money. Um, they're going to have to have probably some sort of small cap penalty for this. And as of this moment, uh, he's still a member of the organization in a technical standpoint. Of course, he's not skating with the team. There's no association there, but he counts as one of their 50 contracts that you're allowed. He's still getting paid basically for every day he's on the AHL roster. And, you know, it could be an interesting situation to follow from the CBA side of things. Again, sort of removing ourselves from any commentary we have on their decision initially to sign him. It's just that you can't just get rid of someone because you have regrets about signing a contract. Well, you can go back to the last episode, I guess, for our general thoughts on how that signing went. Not to say that we haven't provided an opinion on that. But considering... I I just want to be clear that like, I'm only talking about this strictly from the CBA terms, what's allowed, what isn't allowed, that's all. 100%. And I think you did a very great job at that. But considering the fact that the blowback was what it was... You you illustrated what this contract will essentially have to go through from a CPA standpoint. We talked about the Bruins having to to wear this. I don't know if we talked about it enough on the last episode about how this should affect Cam Neely and, and Don Sweeney's positions and roles within the organization. I mean, this is a this is a bad misstep. You would think that more people might be calling for them to be relieved of their duties. I I I understand why they would. And I, I don't think they're necessarily wrong, personally. I don't. What's your what's your thought process on that? Well, it's definitely it's a massive misstep for the organization, and it falls on the senior members of the hockey operations department. So, you know, one thing that that Eustace King, the agent uh, for Mitchell Miller, said in his appearance on the Cam and Strick podcast is that they met for five hours, give or take, in Boston, you know, with Cam Neely and Don Sweeney and a representative from ownership. And some psychologists and and this and that. Anyway, the point is there was there was there was a lot of time there and, and direct involvement from the the high levels of the hockey ops department before a decision was made to sign this player to a contract. And so, yeah, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to to wonder about that. Yeah, I'm very curious to see, you know, if if the Jacobs family, uh, Jeremy Jacobs, being the the patriarch of that family that runs the Bruins, if the, you know when he'll speak to this issue, what his view on it is, you know, there is a board of governors meeting in, in Florida in December. Uh, if, if they haven't addressed it by then, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it was raised at that point in time. And, you know, Cam Newley did also give at his press conference on Monday, a little bit of an open-ended answer about discipline. And he's basically said, I got to work through that this week and today. And, you know, he, he left open the possibility there'd be some sort of discipline or repercussions within the organization. So I I'd say that, I don't think the door is closed on that, Julian, even though you might say, why didn't that happen immediately? I mean, th- there might have to be some sort of almost internal audit of who did what, when, and, and you know how this all went down. And we don't have full visibility, of course, into that. But but I I think it's a fair point to say that, okay, it's, it's one thing just to part ways with them. I mean, there should be some punishment for ever putting the organization in that vulnerable position. And, and a, frankly, a position where they've taken a lot, a lot of public heat I don't know if they've felt it in any way financially. I don't know if the fans have, you know, are, are going to be less willing of that organization to to invest their money into them. Um, but it's not it was not a good look, and it was certainly not good for business. And that's partly what what those two men are in charge of doing for the organization. 
Exactly. You mentioned the, the Camage Trick podcast. That gets me thinking to uh, that episode with Eustace, but also uh, a statement released by the Hockey Diversity Alliance on behalf of uh, Isaiah Maya Crothers, the victim uh, in the Mitchell Miller situation. Uh, I'm not going to go through the entirety of the statement. You can find that on their, their Twitter, um, but it basically just details a lot of the bullying that he endured at the hands of Mitchell Miller and isn't there if you're looking for him to forgive Mitchell Miller he's not going to do that there and that is his right to do so um just any thoughts on first the podcast and then we can get into the statement well I don't really know what to say honestly it's a messy situation on the way it's it's playing out and it becomes someone's word against someone else's word and when it comes to a lot of this stuff you know what I my view, Julian, is if you read the victim's statement there, that's the final word for me. And so he says they're not friends. He details some of the pain and abuse that he suffered over several years uh, when he was younger. That's enough for me. You know, I, I think the rest of us that that aren't part of this, it's, it's really hard because we, obviously we weren't there, right? And so, you know, some of what Eustace King was detailing on that podcast is talking about that these guys actually are friends and, and, you know, presenting a different version of events. But to me, the ultimate version comes from the, the victim in this case. And so, you know, I think Isaiah's words are really all that that should matter at the end of the day. Um, I think it's terrible as, as we mentioned in our Monday episode that he's even had to have all this drummed up that he has to put out a statement like that. I mean, because that that only happens because the Bruins signed Mitchell Miller, right? Because they were giving him a professional opportunity uh, and it brings focus back to what happened. But, you know, it just seems to me based on that victim statement that there's there's still a ton of work, but maybe that will never happen. But there's that that's not a situation where there's been an forgiveness or apologies or, or what have you, suitable apologies anyway from the victim's end. And so. You know, that's that's really all I have to say about that. I, I don't know if we have to get into all the back and forth because to me, the, the back and forth ends when you read that victim statement. You know, there's it's it's hard to argue against the person that experienced this when when he's that's pretty heartbreaking to to read his words on on you know how how difficult this has been for his life and how much it still bothers him today. That's a good point, considering that for someone in Eustace's position representing Mitchell Miller, of course he's going to try to do the best to defend him the way that he would. I will just say, though, and you don't have to go on the back and forth on that, just for me, just listening to that podcast, just hearing him explain uh, why the use of the N-word was a thing. Uh, I don't get the sense also that he he fully understood or, or, or makes the point that Isaiah is developmentally challenged as well. Uh, I, I was not exactly clear on the reasons why he wanted to take him on as a client in the first place. It felt like just for me listening to that Cam and Strick episode, uh, I was left with more questions about Eustace's position in all of this uh, more than answers. But to your point, the back and forth really does end with that statement from Isaiah. It's very heartbreaking, very gut wrenching, and just. My thoughts go out to him and and, and his family because no one should have to endure any of that from from anybody. So yeah, I think that's a good place to to leave it on that front with the the Mitchell Miller story, which 
I don't know about you, but um, actually, no, I, I think I know from your vantage point, too. This is not a story that's just going to die out today. I feel as if we're going to know a lot more about a few other things in the weeks to come. This just my gut feeling on that one. I don't know, you know, because the way I look at it, I think it's going to be very hard for him to attempt to have a hockey career. And so whenever we get to the point where the Bruins do formally cut ties with them, I mean, if if I'm not, I'm not sure what we'll hear of it going forward, honestly. I mean, I, it's hard to imagine another team thinking they could sign him at this point. So um, I know he's very young. Maybe there's, maybe there's a path back here. I mean, I, I always try to see some hope. I mean, maybe there's, maybe there's some growth that come out of this and something can happen, but I don't know what a, what a strange episode though. The last week has a lot happened. Absolutely. Okay. It's time to do a bit of a tough transition from a tough topic to a lighter topic. Uh, this seems to happen, uh, not on every episode of the show, but it happens often enough where, uh, even if these things happen, you never get that good at doing those transitions. So there was one, uh, Brian Reynolds topic I wanted to get to, uh, with him getting the standing ovation in Ottawa. That being said, uh, there is some news that has just popped up on the Twitter wire that actually has to do with NHL media stuff. Uh, Sean Fitzgerald from uh, The Athletic. I'll just read his tweet here. Press release. ESPN has signed three-time NHL All-Star and Norris Trophy winner P.K. Subban to a multi-year agreement. Any thoughts on P.K. Subban, the media mogul with ESPN? I mean, color me not surprised on this one. I mean, this that's the most natural fit you could ever imagine. Um, I imagine PK Subban had a choice of any of the networks ultimately uh, to do is is to further his media career. You know, this is a guy when he was still in the early days of the Montreal Canadiens. You know, did did work with Sportsnet um, when he was a really young guy, and I, I was still working at Sportsnet at that time. I remember him coming into studio, and you know, he's got an electric personality. I think he's he's natural for the camera, great energy. You know, I think it's it's a perfect fit. And then obviously has done some work with ESPN, I believe, in the playoffs the last few years. So um, I think it's great for hockey. I think it's great for PK. Um, the sport's better with him around it. And, and you know, I'll be curious to see where he takes it, if this becomes a full-time gig or is, is it more, you know, it's something he does on the side. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that will be dictated by other interests in his life and things that are going on because he's he's pulled in a lot of directions. But uh I'm glad that if you saw his, his Instagram, he had some trouble renewing a health card this week. But this is happier news for oh my P- God for, for PK that he's uh, <laughs> that that he's got his Ontario health card on 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 the the path, and now he's got his job back with ESPN. I don't. I've been I've been off Instagram for the last little while. So like when when people were talking about that, like I had no frame of reference on what he might have said or like how that thing went down. And just that he seemed very angry about what was going on. I feel like I missed so much being on an Instagram hiatus. Yeah. I mean, you didn't, you're not really missing that much, but I mean, everyone's probably been there at some point that there can be bureaucracy when you're trying to, especially if you move to a new place. I remember when I moved to London, England uh, in my early twenties, it was so hard to like to get a bank account. You need to have a driver's license, but to get the driver's license, you need to have this. Like it was like a never ending circle where you could never have, everything you need. So I, it, it can be frustrating. And and I suppose PK is probably moving back to Ontario uh, after playing his career, obviously Quebec, Tennessee, and, and New Jersey. So um, yeah, it, I, we can all identify with it on some point, but definitely was frustrated with 
being sent to to different places to try to get this renewed health card. Yeah, I, I sympathize not with a health card, but with um, getting my car registered. But I'm not going to bore everyone with the details on that one. Anyway, yeah, anyone who's uh, moved, like it can be, it's a pain in the butt. Usually, you got a lot of things on the go. So I think that's good. We're Lord. all PK <laughs> in this moment. Yes. Uh, okay, let's get to Ryan Reynolds now. Uh, so the other night in Ottawa at the game, standing ovation. There's that fun little video of a woman who's sitting a couple feet from him who realizes it's Ryan Reynolds and she just has this shocked face, like, what? You know, so uh, but yeah, he's uh he seems to be very serious about wanting to buy the Ottawa Senators. He mentions it on the Jimmy Fallon show too. He just needs a sugar daddy with uh, fat pockets to help him buy the team, it looks like. I cannot recall in, in some time someone going on the offensive the way he has to be part of this. And I think it makes sense for him because what does Ryan Reynolds bring? I mean, obviously he has some money to add to the pot, but in general, what he's bringing to an ownership, a potential ownership group for the Ottawa Senators is some visibility, um, you know, the, the the opportunity to sell the team on social media, to to give them a little bit of Hollywood flair. And, and let's face it, one of the more, dull and i say this with love but one of the more dull places in canada it's a government town you know auto, the senators don't have a lot of buzz and i think he's he can bring buzz to them right um and so when when you think about it from his end of things you know it doesn't sound like he has his ownership he, he hasn't formed his own ownership consortium and so he's basically looking to join one of the ones that i think you know one of the the money groups that that's already formed and and so he's just putting himself out there i mean and to go from the tonight show right to a game in ottawa um i think it's great for the league like typically this is not the way to do th- business in the nhl i mean if you remember the the whole jim balsillie um saga with with the league where he tried to buy the penguins he tried to buy the predators he tried to buy arizona out of bankruptcy and move them to hamilton at the time was a pretty notable person in canada as, as you know the the head of blackberry which was you know, for you kids out there, preceded the iPhone and used to be a pretty big deal. RIP uh, Blackberry. Yeah, there you go. I had a couple Blackberries in my day. But, uh, you know, he he basically got on the wrong side of the, the NHL front office by being too public about his intentions and, and never actually ended up owning a team. I think this is a little different. The league clearly appreciates some of the positive press that comes with this and and you know, eyeballs in different places. I mean, People Magazine's writing about it, right? It's not just the typical publications or media outlets that are covering the story. And so I think it, it'll be interesting. It, it seems to me like nearly a no-brainer, but ultimately somebody or or a group of somebodies are going to be putting up hundreds of millions of dollars to, to buy this team and they have to decide if they want a Hollywood celebrity as part of their group. Because, you know, as I say, Ryan Reynolds will be putting some money in there, but relative to what the team costs, it will be a small percentage. And it's not as if uh, Ryan Reynolds is the only person interested in the Ottawa Senators. Michael Andlauer uh, is showing some interest, and uh, some outlets are even calling him the front runner uh, to buy the team. Yeah, that that's premature to me. I think um, you know Michael Andlauer has been just to call him the front runner. I mean, um, it's I, I think that really what what the Senators are engaging in right now is figuring out who's real and who's not, and basically lining up the the potential buyers. Um, so it's hard to say anyone's a front runner until that work is done. Um, but I, I get it. Everyone's trying to handicap this like it's a horse race or something. I mean, ultimately there's only going to be so many groups that have the kind of money to do this. I would think it's like two or three. Um, 
something like that. Maybe it, maybe it ends up like lots of people might have the idea that they're interested and then they get, they get in the process and realize that it doesn't really suit what they need. And the, the, the part of this that maybe isn't discussed enough is it's not just buying the senators. You have to be buying the senators and have some confidence. You can build the new building at LeBreton flats, which costs money and also might take some political capital to ensure that that project gets seen through because I don't think anyone's buying this team with the intention of keeping it Ottawa and the intention of keeping it long-term playing at the arena in Canada, which is in, you know, I don't want to call it in the wrong place, but it's in a tough place if you're coming from downtown Ottawa to go to a game. And I think clearly everyone thinks it will be a different matter if they can get the arena built closer to downtown on that piece of land. So there's, there's a lot of, it's not just getting together, whatever number of hundreds of millions to buy the team. It's, do you have another billion to build the rank? And do you think you can get it done with the local government? So I think there's a lot of different uh, dynamics at play as, as we work through this, this process. If you had a billion dollars and you could buy yourself a sports team, which team would you buy? Uh, can I buy the Dallas Cowboys? I don't think a billion might be light for them. Yeah, it might be light change. You might need a few more billions. I guess it's, you know, the question was asked about that crazy Powerball yeah. uh, payout, right? Maybe buying a sports team would be kind of fun. I don't know. Um, for some reason, I, I would like to buy, it seems like owning like British soccer teams is like cooler. Like the, the, the experience is a little cooler even than, than the NHL teams maybe for the owners. I don't know. It's weird. There's a different ownership culture, right? Among each of the sports. Like if you watch an NFL game, pretty much every game you see a shot of the, the owner's box for either team. Like it's almost like it's part of it mm-hmm. in the NHL. We don't tend to focus on the owners of the teams too often. I mean, sometimes we do, I guess when there's a particularly a situation that doesn't seem to be going well. Um, but you know, when do we ever talk about the owner of the New York Rangers really? Like it's just, I don't know, this, it's not as much a part of it. So I'd like to be an active owner maybe buy like a lower level soccer team in, in Britain and try to get them up to the premier league or something cool like that. That'd be cool. Also, how long until the SDPN becomes a shirt sponsor for one of those like soccer teams, like in Europe, like so some fourth division team in like Denmark that has SDPN on the front. That'd I would awesome. love that. That would be awesome. Yeah. That, that's what Adam Wilde was saying to me. He's like, why don't you buy the SDPN? Or maybe it was Steve that said, why don't you buy the SDPN if you have the Powerball? But yes. I don't know. If, I don't know if I could endeavor to own such an end, empire as the SDPN. So I think those guys. Why are doing, not? I think those guys are doing just fine with it right now. I'm just happy to be a small part of the small part of the tribe. You're so modest. I don't know. I don't actually know anything about this business, man. Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like I trust these guys. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not. I I couldn't run a company successfully for that. Okay. All right. Well, I'll 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 take the 1.9 million in the Powerball, which I think is the billion latest. Billion. Yeah, billion, not million, billion, and buy SDPN and and buy a few other teams myself. Let's do that. Shirt um, sponsorships, jersey, everything. There's lots everything. of NHL jerseys that don't have a sponsorship right now. We could get the SDPN on one of those. Could you imagine like the Arizona Coyotes with like a helmet sponsor SDPN? Like people would lose their shit. I could. Get it done, Adam Wilde. Get it done, Adam Wilde. Get off your wallet. (laughs) Get off your ass. Do something. (laughs) Um, uh, How are the Leafs and their goalie situation? Matt Murray's hurt. Ilya Samsonov is on IR. They signed Keith Petrozelli. I don't know who that is. 
can you not to make a very abrupt divert into the goalie situation, uh, but how is that going? It's actually going just fine. Um, they, the least are fortunate that Eric Schalgren gave them a couple of good outings last weekend after Samsonov went down with an injury because, you know, it sounds like Matt Murray, I would expect to, to probably play Saturday for the Leafs. Um, so he's, if not Saturday, he'll be available next week. Anyway, he's, he's very close. It sounds like Samsonov's injury wasn't as bad as they feared his knee injury. He's been on the ice already a couple of times and Shalgren has actually played pretty well. The Leafs have taken seven of the last eight potential points. So um, that, that helped get them through what could have been, not a great situation, especially given some of the teams they, they they had to play. You know, like it was a game against Boston where Samsonov got hurt. Then they had to play in Carolina 22 hours later, another top team. Then they played Vegas on Tuesday. So it could have been really debilitating. But uh, Shalgren, give him some credit for getting through. And, you know, Keith Petrozelli is a great story. Um, you know, I've heard actually from someone who works for another team that that he was really turning heads last year in the ECHL. Um, started his American Hockey League season this year at the Toronto Marlies with a 6-0 and record, so obviously had some success out of the gate there and was on an AHL contract that got upgraded to a full NHL deal because the Leafs needed a backup. But, you know, I, I don't know long-term what, what his prospects are. You know, he's really just getting going as a professional goaltender, but, hey, this might be a break he needs. Maybe he'll get into one of the games this weekend if if Matt Murray isn't ready to return on that timeline. And, uh you know, this is what happens. Jordan Bennington was once the fifth goalie in St. Louis way back when James Reimer was the Leafs third or fourth goaltender and they had some injuries and he's gone on to play 300 plus NHL games. I mean, you just need a, sometimes you just need an opportunity and that's what this was for, for Keith Petrozelli. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Almost worthy of a stick tap. If you really think about it, if he gets the start over the weekend as well. Uh, but it just seems generally between that. And even if that is going on, it, it's kind of cooled off in terms of the temperature in 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 Toronto, considering what it was about two three weeks ago, in in the city, just it looks as if they they look a lot better than they, than they were at the start of the season. Yeah, winning is the best deodorant, man. <laughs> like I, I always I like say that, that phrase. I always say say this like when people get down on the media about coverage of a team or this or that. I'm just like, if you mix in some victories, it's amazing how the storylines turn positive. You know, I've seen some of my colleagues. Jonas Siegel wrote a nice story in the Athletic about. You know, John Tavares defying his age. Like now all of a sudden that the talk with the team is all the things that are going well because things are going well. Um, it's it, to simplify things, that's that's how this works. And so the Leafs have had a really good stretch against really good teams. They themselves suddenly now look like a really good team again. I would say, you know, they're not out of the the woods in terms of if they're, you know, a three-game losing streak next week and maybe things get crazy again. I, I don't know how that'll all go, but um, they they clearly have a team that should get them back to the playoffs, and you know let's let's tune back in in late April and see where they're at. Yeah, of course. Just just trying to follow all of these teams and 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 where they're at. I mean, the Flames started off really hot. They've since kind of fallen off a bit. Seattle is is as high up as they are in their division. Detroit's doing well, uh, but but teams like Pittsburgh have, have kind of fallen off too. I keep thinking of. The episode we did last year around American Thanksgiving, where we tried to figure out how many teams currently in playoff positions would hold. If 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 the standings look anything like that when it comes time for American Thanksgiving, and we decide to do that exercise again, how the hell are we going to go through that? Or how the hell are you going to be like, oh, man, is Detroit going to be there? If Buffalo kind of plays a little better and they end up back in a playoff position. Like, 
that's going to be a very fun addition of that exercise if we do it. Yeah, it's lining up well. I mean, because what's crazy is it seems to me there's been more streaks in the negative way than you're used to seeing. Like Pittsburgh lost seven in a row before beating Washington on, on Wednesday night. So, you know, it's one thing to like lose three or four in a row, which is not good. But when it gets to seven and, and St. Louis has got it to eight, you know, Calgary's at six with some overtime uh, loser points mixed in there. But I mean, that's it's a lot of teams that that were playoff teams that are expected to be playoff teams that have you know, leak some serious oil here in, in the early going. And so the, the 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 counterweight to that is then there's a few teams that are much higher up than we would have guessed. So I think we should do that. Uh, where we did, I think we called it contenders and pretenders. Yes, we did. Um, I, I think we should do that exercise again. It's too soon though, right now. Oh yeah. We got it. We got to let a couple more weeks go by maybe right at us Thanksgiving's a Thursday. Maybe that's the episode we do it, but uh, Oh yeah. It's um, it, it's going to be, it'll be tough, but we'll see like two weeks. A lot can change too, right? Maybe, maybe St. Louis wins five in a row from here and then it, it'll just look more normal. It'll, it'll, it will be more balanced out. So we just got to let the games play out, man. We can't force it. Two weeks from today, American Thanksgiving. That is probably when we will do it just to be consistent uh, with how we did it last year. But I, you know, I'm I'm happy you enjoyed contenders versus pretenders. I thought you were going to be a little bit more like, oh, man, you're putting me on the spot trying to figure out how do I get radioed, blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, I took some heat for that episode last year. But I mean, that's the that's the game, right? We're trying to figure it out ourselves. Nobody has a crystal ball. You know, we're all just guessing, educated <laughs> guessing. That's what it is. It's educated guesses. It's an opinion. Yeah, but like you're among the best at those educated guesses. We were not well, just. Coming... I, I mean, I don't know if I go that far. Let's not. Be too much. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, it's time for stick taps. Do you have a stick tap uh, for this week? I have the opposite of a stick tap. Oh, OK. What would we call the opposite of a stick tap? Like a spear? <laughs> yeah, a spear behind the play to Elon Musk. Oh, oh, OK. All right, go off, go off, <laughs> sir. Okay, I mean, we can already see the writing on the wall here about okay some of the challenges of Twitter if if this new verification system holds, especially to do our job. It's a good lesson for everybody in the dangers of relying on a third party uh, to to operate an important platform for us. So yeah, I, I don't like where this is going. So this is a this is a dirty hit behind the the play on on Elon Musk. In- introducing something spicy and new to the podcast. Ooh. We did this on YouTube, so I don't think Elon Musk has any jurisdiction over us about what we say about him here. Uh, but okay, all right, cool. So no stick tap. Well, did you see? Uh, we got- I mean, look at it was yeah. preposterous the Connor McDavid one because like hundred percent. But like, so like I wasn't actually close to being fooled there. But it does no. illustrate what might happen when you know, someone's doing that with Darren Dreger's likeness or my likeness or Elliot Friedman or, or even just creates a fake team account with the blue check mark. It, it, I just, I don't, I don't like it. I actually do believe in the idea of free speech. And, and so like, but just, I don't understand where this is going yet. It just doesn't seem good. Right. I, I think I'm comfortable saying that. I don't really know what's going to happen with Twitter under Elon Musk. It's early days and there's a lot of, there's a lot of conflicting info that's come out. I just, it does not appear to be going to a good place for those of us that professionally spend a lot of time there. 
especially considering how how good of a content aggregator it is. I, I my first thought went to the trade deadline or, or days where we know we're all going to be on Twitter. We know we're all going to use that platform to figure out information for what you're going to say or Friedman or Dreger. And yes, it's happened before, obviously, where someone will make the parody account and some fake story will go. But it seems as if it's so much easier now with this verification process to have a really legit looking account say that Austin Matthews has been traded for a fifth round pick to Arizona. Like, yeah, I, I can under, I mean, I feel frustrated about it. I can only imagine what you might be going through the rest of your colleagues. The next thing I'm wondering too is, is the media companies that are in charge of us essentially, what are their thoughts on this and how are they going to uh, combat this problem? Or do they like like what do they do? How do they stand on all of this? I have no idea what the athletic stance is on this. No, I mean it's too soon. Like we, it's I, way too I think soon it's, too. I just think like because I don't really know what's gonna. Ha- it's changed it even already what they said this system's gonna be. So like I just think it doesn't look like it's heading in a good direction, and so that's why I'm I'm giving out a little little shot behind the play. Okay, so we'll we'll workshop a, a, a an opposite term for stick tap. But I do like where you're going from. I do I do like this. I like this. This is cool. I, I like to focus on the positive in general, but I just had to get that off my chest. Like I just this sucks the way it looks. So you ain't paying eight dollars to keep your blue check? Well, I don't know. If there's a if there's a reason to, I'd think about it, but right now I don't see a reason to. It's the fact you have to pay eight bucks a month for that. For to just anyway. Uh all right. So Elon well, that's eight Musk. US, man. That's like a hundred dollars yeah. Canadian. <laughs> Maybe more closer to 13, but, you know, yeah, Elon Musk, the very first uh, negative uh, stick tap in the history of uh, the Chris Johnston show. I was just going to give a stick tap to uh, to Dylan Genther of the Arizona Coyotes, who uh, passed the uh, nine game threshold and got the news from his parents. That is a very wholesome story. And uh, stick taps to the Coyotes and uh, the organization for setting that up and making that work. And uh, good on Dylan Genther to get some more games with the Coyotes. And how did you enjoy that story? You probably saw it on Twitter. You probably saw the clip the Coyotes put on Twitter. With the shade going to Twitter. Jeez. (laughs) CJ pulling no punches uh, when it comes to uh, uh, the Twitter platform. Uh, That's going to do it uh, for this week's edition of the Chris Johnston Show. Uh, CJ, pleasure as always, uh, including that last little stab at uh, Elon Musk there. Wow. Got to say, I did not see that coming. This was not in my show notes. Well, that's why we we do it live, man. That's why we don't we don't script it. No, we try not to script it. Yeah, a little bit of a guideline, but we try not to script these things. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, get your questions in now uh, for Ask CJ. We will get to them on Monday. Uh, subscribe to uh, the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to our Discord as well, and buy stuff from the SDPN shop if you feel so inclined. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Have a great weekend. Peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.